Hey listeners, Craig here. Just thought I'd put at the start, this episode, at some point, we do talk about real-life abuses. Not very much not for the whole show, but it is in there. Like, we talk about psychological abuse and cults and that sort of stuff. So if you think you may be sensitive to that sort of situation, uh, you know, I'm not going to blame you if you want to skip this. But we also talk about a lot of good stuff as well. So... Yeah, so that, along with the fact that this is a 18 plus podcast, so if you're under 18, probably shouldn't be listening. And with that, I just need to thank our daddy's favourite level patrons. So that's Southern Suter, Hillary, William, Ochnerb, Banjo Stewie, Adam F, Brian C, and Harry Hypnotist. Please know, you are daddy's favourites. Now, on with the interview. Hello, and welcome again to the Kinky Boys podcast. This episode, we have some lovely returning guests for a returning topic. We are once again doing hypnosis, and this time, we're talking brainwashing. Joining me is Master, Harry Hypnotist. Welcome. Hi there. And we also have returning guest Visible Restraint, a.k.a. Daniel. Hello. And his boy, Status. <laughs> nice to be here. Lovely to have you. And we're all here together because we all have experience with long-term hypnosis, sort of long-term conditioning, a.k.a. what is in our circles referred to as brainwashing. So I figured it would be nice to talk about that. Hmm. So, and I, I think that's a really good distinction. The, the fact that in our community, we like to call it brainwashing, but that's because that word has juice, mm-hmm. not because it's accurate. Yeah, it has a lot of cultural associations. Yeah. There's a lot of cartoons and such that involve brainwashing people or like superheroes being brainwashed against their will to fight for the side of evil Mm -hmm. or something like that. But the reality is that brainwashing and hypnosis are sort of, I guess you could say a spectrum, a continuum. And I don't think there's one cutoff line in between them. Hmm. Yeah. Like, I mean, it gets into some very interesting ideas around independent thought and how people define like what would be free will and what would how you influence people like so often in pop culture the idea of brainwashing is where you absolutely change a person to your will or needs you see this again like a lot in comic books like someone is turned quote-unquote turned evil you see it in cartoons you also see it in a lot of media I'm trying to think of a really famous example. What's the political one? The Manchurian candidate. Mm -hmm. Right. Which is about soldiers who are brainwashed and turned into, quote unquote, sleeper agents, where they will carry out a set of programmed instructions. Or more currently, the Jason Bourne series. Yes. Yeah. Or if you've seen the animated movie, The Incredibles 2. The villain uh-huh. in that movie is a hypnotist as well and ends up hypnotizing and turning multiple superheroes. Yes. Yes. It, yeah, I know a lot of people who get turned on by 
the screen slaver from The Incredibles. <laughs> yes. And yeah, it it also applies a lot to around the sort of psychology of cults. Like brainwashing really as a term and a concept kind of entered into the public consciousness around the sort of late 60s, 70s. And a lot of it was around people explaining the hippie phenomenon. And this is quite interesting because I did a little bit of research. It's So I obviously these days in pop culture, hippies tend to be a bit of a joke or like seen as very peaceful. In the 60s and 70s, they were seen as quite sinister and like they corrupt and take the hippie culture corrupts and takes your children from you. And there was actually quite an interesting, I mean, horrifying, but interesting industry of quote unquote deprogrammers who made their money basically by if someone's children had gone off and become hippies, they would go essentially kidnap them and try and quote unquote deprogram them. Right. Yeah. I well, mean, and lots of things. I mean, there were deprogrammers, people being deprogrammed away from the Hare Krishna group. Right. Yeah. That kind of thing. Yeah. And it's interesting. And does, does gay conversion therapy count? I don't know. Uh, I think it would. Yeah. yeah. It's in the same vein. The in same the idea. Yeah. 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 And it kind of comes from a fundamental misunderstanding of like how like cults work. Like they do reinforce and change your perception, but it's basically by constant reinforcement and isolation. Human beings, psychologically, we're pack animals, we're group animals. And to a certain degree, our personal beliefs and objects are defined by what is set as the average by the community around us. This is why cult, like serious cults, tend to have like their own compounds or isolated areas, because it lets you sort of artificially create and enforce sort of shared reality that would crumble if you like let it out into wider society and it's also a lot of it like when you talk to ex-cult members when they talk about it, it's like no one really truly deeply believed it but there was this sort of ambient social pressure to go along with everything nobody wanted to be the first one to say no yeah <laughs> yeah and that kind of ties into how like the pop culture version of brainwashing doesn't really exist like people aren't robots and i know a lot of people with hypnosis would love it to be this case but you just can't like outright program someone against their will but that is that is all true yeah and yet i would also say that there is a lot of fun stuff that you can do around the idea of brainwashing in the real world. Things that I have done to you, Craig, and mm -hmm. I have seen the results of that in person. So it's all well and good to say it doesn't work like it does in the movies. That's an important disclaimer. Yeah. But I don't want it to sound like we're saying it doesn't work at all, because clearly yeah. it does. Yes. So I think we should get into how it actually works and what we're actually talking about. Hmm. Well, I feel yes. like an important piece of context for that is for us to introduce ourselves and the context that we have, the background that we have around brainwashing. 
Very good. Daniel, would you like to do that first? Sure. I, I mean, I'm relatively new to hypnosis. I'm relatively new to <laughs> brainwashing, but I've been doing it in a really intense way. I don't sort of do anything by half measures. So about five years ago, I began to, to explore hypnosis in a serious way. In fact, my mentor in hypnosis told me that I've been doing hypnosis this whole time, my whole kink life. I've been doing hypnosis. And I don't know, it's one of those one thing leads to another situations. Eventually, if you study enough, if you study, if you dive deeply enough into hypnosis practice and hypnosis study, you're going to bump into names like Milton Erickson and, and Bandler Grinder. You're going to bump into an acquaintance of mine, Sleeping Girl, and all of these people who are proponents of a style of hypnosis that actually lends itself really well to the trope of brainwashing. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of how I got here. And for me, I've been practicing hypnosis for more than 10 years at this point. I started off as a hobbyist, took, some, took a class while I was still living in the United States and started doing it professionally shortly after that. I've done a lot of sort of one-off hypnosis sessions with people and played with the ideas of domination and control through hypnosis, particularly with this, you know, sort of fantasy trope of brainwashing. But I think only comparatively recently have I started doing anything that could really resemble proper brainwashing in earnest. And that is with my slave, Craig, who is the host of this podcast. <laughs> he and I met a couple of years ago. I remember another one of our friends introduced us to each other while I was visiting <laughs> London. And we did a hypnosis session together. And one of the things that I tried with him in the very first session was this idea of making him think and believe that we had been very good friends for years and years and years and years. And he really went along with that to the point that I had to remind him that this was actually our first time properly interacting with each other. Uh -huh. And Craig, do you remember how you reacted to that? I was quite astonished. Very impressed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So I could tell that this was someone that I had a lot of influence over, shall we say. Mm -hmm. And both he and I enjoyed that quite a lot. And we've been exploring that together and steadily pushing that influence with mm -hmm. his awareness and consent, including getting to a point where he is aware that I've made changes to his psyche, but he's not aware of what all of those changes are. And mm -hmm. we're both happy about that. Very much so. <laughs> yeah, this is where I feel like I have a bit of imposter syndrome. I've been at this for a little less than a year now. I've been into hypnosis for a very long time. I remember we were talking about superheroes getting brainwashed into turning evil, and I remember getting boners watching Power Rangers before I even knew what boners were. <sighs> Power Rangers was so good for brainwashing. Like it is so responsible for a lot of my like. Yes, <laughs> I think a lot of people kind of had their hypnosis awakening with Ka from the Jungle Book, and mine was. I certainly... think that was me. Yes, yeah, <laughs> you're not alone in that for sure. Mm -hmm. Mine was more so, yeah, Power Rangers for sure. But definitely in, you know, university, I would you know, watch files and things like that, trying to 
experience hypnosis. And last year in June, I joined one of the Discord servers for hypnosis kink enthusiasts Mm -hmm. and started to delve into it more seriously. Did several live sessions online with a couple different hypnotists, many of whom were fantastic and very lovely. And then in October, after discussing music for some time, (laughs) Bear and I started chatting, which led to flirting which led to us meeting up in their home in Tacoma in December. Mm -hmm. And I got what I considered to be like my first, like honest to goodness, real in-person hypnosis session, which was, which kind of changes everything, doesn't it? Oh yeah. yeah. Really does. (laughs) I, I, I will say I doubling back on, on sort of my origin story just a little bit. I actually didn't, I didn't approach hypnosis from cultural touchstones at all. I saw a jungle book when I was a kid. It didn't really make much of an, an impression. Those stories didn't really make much of an impression on me actually. And my dad was a psychologist and he, I used to get tranced quite a lot at family parties and it wasn't a sexual thing for me. It wasn't an erotic thing for me. It was fun. Right. But it wasn't something that I ever attached to sexuality until the late 2000, like 2017, 2018, when, and I'm sure he won't mind me shouting him out, but a fellow named Dom Gay Hypnotist started posting these videos Mm -hmm. of these fantastic boys just twitching and throbbing and (laughs) squirting and just listening to the sound of his voice. Mm-hmm. These short, brief little clips, and he came across my my Tumblr feed. And honestly, I've, t- I've told him this story too. I was like, "Well, that looks like fun. I could, I could get into doing that." And but it wasn't for another year and a half or so before I was like, "Okay, that's it. I need to start learning about it." And I contacted, like I said, my my hypnosis mentor, and things changed fast. Mm-hmm. And. And although that was my, that is technically the, the, the point, the, the flashpoint that got me, that pulled me into hypnosis. Once I was into hypnosis, I was like, oh, wait a second. There's all of this other stuff. And it, it literally hypnosis is every door I open. There's a million other doors to open. Yeah. And touched yet. One of the most exciting things about this is that it's 60, almost 67 years old now. I've stumbled into something that will off that seems to offer me endless opportunities for learning, for exploration and growth. And it's, mm-hmm. it's beautiful. It really is beautiful. Oh yeah. That's you can awesome. do some fascinating things with it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And our sort of origin story as a couple, I'll just elaborate a little bit. We, the first time he ever got put on in rope and we tied that with hypnosis. Sorry about the pun. We, 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 we do have that on video on, on the visible restraint site. And it's pretty amazing. Sometime if we're all sitting in the same room, I'll share it with you because you can see his face in it, but it's a really, really fun, fun video. And it, it does some mantra work, which was sort of the beginnings of our, of our brainwashing practice. Mm -hmm. So. That is really nice. And I think like talking about mantra, I think that opens in. So what I would like to ask both all three of you, what is your definition of brainwashing? Like if you had to give it like the elevator pitch, the one sentence 
explanation. Hmm. I think for me, the definition of brainwashing would be getting to a point where the dominant can alter or customize the thought patterns of his submissive to suit what the dominant wants the submissive mm-hmm. to think. Yeah, I can go with that. I also think that it oftentimes in practice, it takes advantage of, I often say that, that my hypnosis practice works in such a way that I oftentimes, particularly when I'm playing with intimate partners, I'm sort of mining their unconscious for information constantly, constantly mm-hmm. pulling new stuff out of, out of the little brain. And, <laughs> and, and that process yields enough information that I'm able to put together a, a, a package of change that, that is basically based on this information I pulled out of them. Right. It's stuff that they, it's stuff that they may already want, but not have a way to access it for some reason. Yeah. Or they, they may not be able to access it in as thorough a way as they, they thought possible. So, so, so it's exploiting, when, it's exploiting, it's exploiting the openings that are already there. Right. It's, I'm, it's another way of, of, of achieving congruence. Right. But it's a stealth congruence. Right. When you say pulling out information from his subconscious, what sort of information are you talking about? Are you talking about like his desires and curiosities and fantasies? Or are you talking yes. about like, okay. <laughs> desires, fantasies, and also, but also, also obviously, you know, the unconscious, the representational systems there are, they all work individually. In very individual ways for each person. Right. And, mm-hmm. and, and being able to learn to access the, those areas with your partner is pretty important to my practice and pretty important to his enjoyment of it. <laughs> and I, I should also say that, that, that underscoring what we've talked about in terms of how brainwashing isn't quite what it is in the movies or what quite, quite what it has been in, in comic books. I consider the entire practice of hypnosis, including the brainwashing part to be pretty collaborative, actually. Oh yeah, um, absolutely. Not, not necessarily conscious, you know, but I mean, yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> he's, and by the way, he's, he's being a little, he's being a little, he's exercising some humility here when he says that he's, <laughs> he's that it's been a very intense year of study for him. actually. <laughs> yeah. I, I actually oh, want to go back to something and, that you said status, which is around <laughs> the idea of you having imposter syndrome. around this. <laughs> I don't think you have to worry about being an imposter first yeah. of all. And second of all, the fact that this is relatively new to you is actually probably useful for our podcast listeners mm-hmm. who may have probably substantially less experience than you have. Right. So for you to be able to talk about your experience getting mm-hmm. started and up until where you are now is probably a really interesting perspective for a lot of people. So I encourage and, you to lean into that. And, and full disclosure He's also a fairly talented hypnotist himself, <laughs> right? It's only been, he's only been doing it for Very a year, nice. but he's 
He's pretty good at it. Oh, fine. Okay, I take it back. <laughs> and it's you know that is a very good point, and I actually regret saying that because you know on the server one of the things that a, a, another Switch friend and I are often telling people that we interact with very often is that this is not a very challenging thing to get into. I think one of my friends on the server and I each read maybe a two hundred page book. Oh. It was the, I forget the title, but it was by Mark Wiseman. Yeah, the, the Mind Play book. Yeah. Mind Play, that's right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's a very quick read. It's extremely practical. And you can basically read that book and then get started. Yeah. And we achieved trance with each other, you know, fairly easily. We were two very enthusiastic people who wanted to learn right. more and practice. And before Bear and I started meeting up, I probably had two months of practice with my Switch friend. And we got really good at it fairly quickly, which isn't to say it's going to be a, a one size fits all, but certainly in terms of just getting on, getting on the ground and running, yeah. it's actually fairly easy to do if you are engaged with it. Yeah. And also I strongly recommend to subjects, to every subject I play with study. I have a, oh, I, yeah. you know, just do this, do the work, right? It, <laughs> it, it, studying hypnosis makes a subject a better, a better subject, actually. This isn't a magic trick, right? I, and I, it doesn't, it doesn't cheapen the effect of hypnosis for the subject to know what's yeah. happening to him, right? If anything, even if, even, to make it stronger. Right, right, yeah. right. Because, I mean, I'm sure we're going to talk a little bit about, we're going to, since I know that we're going to talk some about safety today, I can talk mm -hmm. a little bit about yes sets, which isn't the same thing. Achieving a yes set isn't the same thing at all as negotiating a scene. Let's get that clear. But, but making sure that your subject knows what's, what's going to be happening to them. Actually, if they're like, oh yeah, that sounds like, a, that sounds good. You know, that's, that's actually half the work. I mean, I, my job is made very much easier by my subject knowing what, what, what I expect of them in advance. So, yeah. Do you feel, cause I noticed, I think both Harry hypnotist and you bear kind of included a, a Dom sub dynamic in your definition of brainwashing. And one of my interests on the, the server, the hypno King server that I'm on is kind of jock transformation stuff, people wanting right. to get better at the gym, more motivated, things like that. Right. It, some of what I do is when I do trans work with my switch friend is we're kind of building on things to help both of us get better at the gym, be more focused on meal prep, right. get more sleep, that kind of thing. Sure, sure. Is that, would you consider that brainwashing? I mean, it, if it feels good to call it brainwashing, and it then does. You should call it <laughs> I mean, that's the thing. This is all so subjective that that I, I I don't think that we have to decide. I don't think the four of us are going to decide for anybody else outside of this conversation what brainwashing. Oh, can't, can't we just declare ourselves? <laughs> I agree. I think I think this is this is the council now. <laughs> but but. We can, I think, all agree that our practice is effective for us. Yeah. And that's all that's oh, important. Yes. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think I would say status in response to your question. To me, and this is very subjective, to me, brainwashing is about the idea of the dominant imposing his will on the submissive. 
to me, those ideas of brainwashing and dominance are inextricably linked. I would say if there's a submissive who, sorry, if there is a person who wants to use hypnosis to encourage more of a gym-focused mindset, I would happily do that, but I would call that hypnosis, maybe even more in the vein of hypnotherapy, helping someone to make the change that they want to change in their life. Mm-hmm. I think that's I think very that is, fair. Yeah, I think that is still very worthwhile and still a lot of fun, but I would not call that brainwashing. Makes mm-hmm. sense. Yeah. Yeah. See, in this context, at least, we are talking about essentially a power, long-term power exchange dynamic. Mm-hmm. Right. But even that looks different depending on the oh, couple yeah. that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Right. I, I, Status and I definitely have a strong power dynamic relation, a power exchange relationship. Mm-hmm. And... But I even consider that to be deeply, deeply collaborative, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, I would say the main difference between a dom-sub situation and an abuse situation is that in a a dom-sub situation, the submissive is a willing and eager participant in all of the terrible, horrible things that happen to him. Right. Right. And I'll also say, yeah, and along those lines, I'll say that I'll say that honestly, while I'm while I've already said that I I when I do when I pursue a brainwashing practice or even a hypnotic practice with a partner, I'm getting most of my cues from my partner. It's also true that I'm not interested. I'm enough of a sadist that I'm not interested in playing with folks who come to me pre-submitted. You right? want to break them. I want I want to I want to break them a little. I mean I want <laughs> I want them I I want them. So is it premature to start talking about this kind of thing now? I don't think so. We've been this weekend we've been working on one particular we do I do a lot of love mantra work. Mm-hmm. But we've been doing this one thing that this weekend that isn't about breaking him, but I had an epiphany about it last night, which is that, that what we were working on was, was creating a subspace for him that where he, it's that, that water analogy where the, the water fills the space that's required, right? Well, the subspace that we were creating with hypnosis and with mantras and with brainwashing was giving shape to that subspace, right? So that the fluid of his subspace had a place, had a place to occupy, right? That it had a place, it had a place to live and it had a place to, to thrive, right? To grow from, right? And, and I think brainwashing definitely can, can make that happen in a beautiful way. Okay. It it can definitely give a sub space to grow in ways they want to go grow, but weren't possible to before right right like craig what has your experience been like because like daniel and i have talked a lot and status has chimed in a fair amount but actually i'm curious to hear from you Uh, it has been a very intense but very enjoyable experience for me so to give a bit of context part of what we do together like harry hypnotist and i 
is to a degree PNC, consensual non-consent. Like it's something that requires a lot of trust and a lot of negotiation and a lot of understanding and the ability for both partners to keep responsibility for themselves. And what a lot of we've done is master has pushed me to actively change some of my limits. And may I give an example? You may. So listeners with a good memory will remember I talked on like our fantasy idea. One thing I said I fantasize about but would never do would be to get in a tattoo, like on the instruction of someone else. I got a tattoo on the instruction (laughs) of master. That I picked out and Uh designed with input from you. Yes. But ultimately the design was my decision. Yes. You decided where it was going to go. You decided the theme of it. And I had it inked on my body. Mm. And Craig two years ago would not have done that. Like Mm. fundamentally. Mm. And it has been an incredible experience. It has been a very freeing experience. Tell me what you mean by freeing. To do it, I had to essentially get rid of a lot of my personal hang-ups, which was a lot of in the work that we were doing. Is pushing, like finding a new motivation to do it, let going of old fears, old hang-ups, old concepts of myself. That the version of you that would never do this was a version of you that you didn't want to be anymore. Exactly. And I had a great desire to be the version of me that would do this for you. Good slave. (sighs) Thank you, master. And uh, yeah, and, you know, this did take a lot of, like, conscious thought. Like, we had discussions around, like, again, that theme of having to take responsibility. Relationships end. If this relationship ends, and, like, I don't think it will, but, like, God forbid, like, ends on bad terms, what will having this ink on my body mean to me after that? And it's like, that is a potential consequence I had to choose to embrace. Mm. I mean, we all, I think that's talking about safety, talking about Mm -hmm. mental health and so on. We all need to, to keep that in mind when we're building suggestions and when we're, Mm -hmm. you know, that, you know, I mean, there's a, there's a 35 year difference between status and I, right? So the odds are that, that the best possible outcome, right. will still end us, end in us not being in a relationship anymore. Right. That's, always the way it works right relationships necessarily end and we don't like to think about those things but we have to design at least i have to design suggestions mantras all of it right triggers right with an eye to the the fact that at some point this is no longer going to be in effect right and he has to be able to thrive in spite of that so you know it's, I think they call it the Boy Scout motto, right? Leave yeah. somewhere better than when you found it. Or the, camp, the case, campsite the campsite rule, yeah. yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In this case, it's leave the mind of your submissive better than when right. you found it. <laughs> right, right. No, I completely agree. 
And I think, to a large degree, that is what makes all this possible, which is the submissive getting a positive feedback loop in the process. Mm -hmm. Like, if it is something the submissive is uncomfortable with or does not like or is caused pain or distress by, it won't stick and it will be rejected. Like, you have to have buy-in from all parties, even though it is, like, a power dynamic. Yes. And to be clear, (laughs) to be clear, there have been times that I have hypnotized Craig and tried to give him a suggestion in terms of furthering his brainwashing, furthering the shaping of his mind in the direction that I want it to go. I've tried to give him a suggestion and he rejected it. Mm-hmm. that he wasn't comfortable with it. He wasn't ready for it. He decided that this wasn't a change that he wanted to make. Mm-hmm. And when that has happened, we talked about it, both in that moment when he rejected the suggestion, I would ask him about it. And also afterwards, when I brought him out of trance, we would talk about the experience. And even though Craig often doesn't remember the exact content of what happens during these sessions, he was always able to remember when something had gone in a way that didn't feel comfortable for him. Mm-hmm. And we were able to discuss that. So especially when you're playing around with this idea of pushing boundaries and changing limits and shaping someone's mind, there are going to be times when things don't go in the way that you expect. And that sort of feedback and communication is very important. Mm -hmm. Which isn't the same thing as things not working or being, that isn't a failure, right? That's actually a wonderful opportunity, right? When you find, oh, oh, there's, I've got pushback. Okay. That's information. That's a data point, right? That's an important data point for me now, right? That is an opportunity. And in fact, every time that this has happened, Mm -hmm. I always told him afterwards, okay, thank you for the feedback. Mm -hmm. I am not going to push this point right now, but I am explicitly not promising to never return to this point. (laughs) (laughs) I may come back to this in the future. And in fact, Mm -hmm. I have and made further progress. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. For me, this is all part of the fun. It's sort of like... I enjoy, like, almost the cat and mouse aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, can this element of me be pushed? Like, some things, like, you know, they don't. Other things have changed over time. And that, for me, is a large part of the fun. <laughs> yeah. And personally, I, I also enjoy this slow process of seeing the results of my work mm-hmm. on him. I am not in a hurry, quite the opposite. Mm-hmm. I like the slow changes. I like taking things at a pace where he can't quite tell exactly what's going on. I think that's very hot for both of us. Mm-hmm. I love that point. I, I find the experience of getting brainwashed. It can almost be anticlimactic at times, except for these kind of moments where I know I notice something and Bear will get a message on Discord, like, this happened today. (laughs) (laughs) I've I've noticed something. Yeah. It it is very much, because a lot of stuff is so gradual, because you build on it 
bit by bit. Like I often use the metaphor of like ter- changing someone's perception of mind around stuff is like turning an oil tanker. Yeah, you yeah. can't just turn it around. It's like slowly, slowly building, building, turning, turning, day after day, a little at a time. <laughs> and, and it's kind of like how in the gym, like you go to the gym for like several months in a row, and then one morning you actually notice the results where you've not noticed them before. Yes. That yes. has certainly happened to me. Yeah. Right? Yes. <laughs> I mean, Erickson famously, Erickson, Milton Erickson, mm-hmm. uh, sort of grandparent of conversation, modern conversational hypnosis was frequently said, cited. He had lots of anecdotes where work that he'd done in therapy sessions might not surface for months, you know, weeks, months, years, even before all of a sudden he'd get the feedback from the person saying, Oh my God, something happened. (laughs) Everything's different now. Right. And that's, that's magic, you know, and not magic literally, but it's, 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 really cool stuff. And one of the reasons why studying, studying how our minds work is so fascinating. Studying how our hearts work is so fascinating. So. Also related to this pro tip for someone who wants to explore brainwashing from the perspective of being a hypnotist. If you are doing hypnosis with someone repeatedly, and then they come to you with an anecdote like that, like, Oh, I think something has changed. The tip is always take the credit. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Always. Even if you don't think that you actually caused it for two <laughs> reasons. One is because there's a very real chance that you actually did unintentionally or through phrasing something in a specific way that triggered the sub subconscious in a specific way that you didn't expect. And the second reason is, even if you know very well that you didn't actually cause this change in his mind, he doesn't know that. (laughs) And it's more fun for both of you if you just say, yes, yes, this is my evil plan coming to fruition. (laughs) I love that tip. I think that's great. We talk a lot about, because I... I have this thing where despite experiencing all of this, I remain just a horrible skeptic horrible (laughs) and we talk a lot about you know when these things happen we said well you know this might have been this this could have been x y and z it might have been the hypnosis but it really doesn't do us a service to do anything other than say it was the hypnosis yeah we kind of we should it it is so helpful to say this was a result of what we did and it is extremely unhelpful to explain it away. Well, and, and let's not limit it to hypnosis, right? Cause we're talking about brainwashing. We're also talking about other kinds of conditioning that don't even involve hypnosis. Mm-hmm. And a lot of those things are things that I've, I play a very long game here. Right. And I put things into place a long time ago with you that, that are beginning to show fruit now. <laughs> Right. <laughs> and, 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 and there's a recognition as a hypnotist that, cause a lot of the stuff you do, I mean, like, okay. So for instance, if I'm telling a, if I'm telling what I, if I'm doing what I call narrative trance, right. Doing, doing some storytelling, then, then I'm not, I give just the barest bones description of what they're experiencing 
of I like he has a he has there is a public place where he gets shown off as the trophy boy he is in his hypnosis trance right it's a very good thing it's a very good place for us to do sort of reward work right in that in that yeah. in that place right and and I have no idea what that place looks like right I know some of the I know some of the important elements in it right that I that I put there but there's enough ambiguity built into most of what we do to secure congruence and to, to secure to continue to secure rapport there's enough ambiguity that we really don't know sometimes what these long-term outcomes are going to be precisely and that's part of the delicious delicious savor of this experience is that some of these things are are unknown even to us and for me, that's one of the reasons why I'm more than happy to take credit for everything, right? More than happy to take credit for it because it's like you said, it's just as, it's just as possible that, that somewhere buried in this ambiguity, some of this, and, and I don't know about you, but I go into hypnotist trance pretty deeply myself, right? You know, we don't, we don't, we don't, they call it un unconscious for a reason. And I know that I know that there are things that are coming out of my unconscious, right. And affecting him and affecting us mm -hmm. and our brainwashing practice that I may not have any idea is even in my agenda. Right. And that's wonderful too. As long Absolutely. as we're constantly checking in with each other, mm -hmm. all the time checking in with each other. Right. So, and checking in when we're both sober, <laughs> right? I mean, it's impossible to talk about, it's impossible to talk about trance without using suggestive language. It's impossible for me to talk about hypnosis without using suggestive language. And at this point in my life, it's almost impossible for me to do BDSM without using suggestive language. Even if it's I'm about not, headspace, even if I'm not intending to do anything Ooh to trance, I'm still using suggestive language, but, but I feel like it's part of my consent practice that I need to, we need to be as far away from a trance moment as possible. If I need to talk to him about, <laughs> about a project we're working on together. Right. So this seems like a great time to start talking about safety. Yes. Mm -hmm. safety and consent when it comes to both hypnosis in general and brainwashing specifically. I think you have quite a lot to say on this subject, Daniel. So why don't you go first? I'm just, I can't remember if I shared this story in the last podcast or not, but it's a, it's a, an epiphany I had recently about, about negotiation and hypnosis. I've come to realize in the last, I guess sometime in the last year, who knows, time dilation, Jesus Christ. Sometime in the last year, I had a realization and I, I could go back. I, I actually, when I had the realization, it was one of those rare moments where I post, I tweeted something just entirely text-based on, on Twitter and it got almost no response at all, which is fine. I don't care. I did it, but I, I wanted to mark that moment. And what the realization was, was that, best consent practice for me is to say when I, and let's demonstrate it, I 
a meeting status for the first time. And I say, so we're talking about bondage, we're talking about other stuff. And I finally get to, are you interested in hypnosis? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so my response, my response for me, the one I'm most comfortable with at this point is at that point to say, so what I need you to understand is that I am deeply enough embedded in hypnosis is deeply enough embedded in my life actually and in my erotic life and my intimate life that you need to know that i can't talk about hypnosis without using suggestive language so and, for our listeners and, who don't and, know that much about hypnosis can you define what suggestive language is sure so if i'm going to advocate if i'm going to advocate for hypnosis in our play with somebody who's told me that they are interested in hypnosis, I'm going to meet them where they're at. I'm going to establish congruence right away. And I'm going to talk, I'm going to, I'm going to meet them where they're at, establish congruence in a way that, that makes hypnosis seem the most appealing it could possibly seem to them based on the information they've already given me. Right. Based on, on the representational cues they're giving me, based on their body language, based on all of the things that I'm watching about them and on their responses. Right. I'm essentially from the moment they tell me that they're going to that they're interested in hypnosis, I'm going to be establishing yes sets. I'm going to be a, a, a establishing, which is just simply getting somebody to answer yes, yes to questions. Right. I'm going to be I'm going to be doing compliance work with them even. Right. And this is in the negotiation stage. That's why it's so important for me. And I, I, it's not like I'm, this isn't a sinister thing. This is just the way I talk about hypnosis because hypnosis has gotten to be that important to me. Right. Mm -hmm. So what's important to me is to tell them exactly what I just said. I can't talk about hypnosis without, I can't advocate for hypnosis in our play without using suggestive language, language that might be construed from an, from a completely objective standpoint as, as leading you towards hypnosis, right? I need you to understand that before we go any further. And in fact, I need you to understand that if you say that, yes, I want to go for, forward from that, from our real perspective, the conversation, the su suggestive language around hypnosis started with the question, are you interested in hypnosis? <laughs> right? So that's the kind, that's the level of transparency I've now decided to establish with people when I talk to them about hypnosis, right? Transparency, you said? Transparency. <laughs> transparency. So, and, and I, that may seem extreme, but it, 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 it answers all of the ethical, ethical concerns I have mm -hmm. around hypnosis, right? And yeah, so basically, basically what I do is I sort of, I, I get that initial yes, right, to yes, I'm interested in hypnosis. And then I retcon an, in, an understanding that that question even was, right, that question was foreplay, basically, right? And so that helps me later on down the road when we're doing hypnosis, right? But it also, it also, and then I'm, I, there are several sort of mileposts, you know, and that this is all separate from pre-talk, right? Because pre-talk is really foreplay, but the negotiation aspect, you know, 
And then there's stuff I need them to understand. I need them to understand that there's stuff we don't know. We don't know where trauma might lie. Mm-hmm. Right? We don't know. There's a there's a thing that happens occasionally in hypnotic practice called abreaction. We don't know. We don't know where trauma might lie. Right. And very often, very often, very often, the subject won't know where where trauma lies. Yeah. Right. And you can stumble across things in hypnosis that are surprising and disappointing and, 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 but ultimately Mm -hmm. that most often require more hypnosis to get around and to get to, to, to make better, but, and, and can be seen as an opportunity, but that are scary when they happen. Mm -hmm. Right. And so risk aware consent practices require that you talk to your subject about, about abreaction and about trauma and about things that since we're dealing with unconscious phenomena, there are things that we won't know going in and we won't know until we get there and we will do the best we can to keep them as safe as we possibly can. Mm -hmm. But this is a risk aware situation. This isn't a complete safety situation in the same way that rope bondage isn't, you can't make rope bondage completely safe, right? Nor can you make, nor can you make hypnosis completely. I can't guarantee to a subject complete emotional safety. I can't guarantee to them that I will do everything I can in my power and will encourage them to do everything in their power to not just self-advocate, but also to protect themselves. And I will help protect them and I will do my best to make them feel cared for in the process. Sure. I also think it's important to point out when we're talking about something like brainwashing, which, as we've talked about earlier, has a lot of cultural connotations with evil or sinister hypnotists Mm -hmm. changing someone for their benefit and for their use. I think you can reasonably expect that you're going to it's, it's going to involve changing someone's mindset that could seem a little scary at times. Mm. Mm-hmm. pushing someone to a place that they always kind of hoped they would be pushed, but also they feel a little bit afraid of that as well. Mm-hmm. Right. So right. I think it's important to point out that this is not all sunshine and rainbows, mm-hmm. that part of the fun, part of the excitement is in delving into and exploring that darkness. Right. Mm-hmm. And honestly, one of my, one of my earliest experiences in with abreaction with a subject of mine. I won't go into what, what it was. I will only say that it was, it happened. It surfaced two days after the session, which was at a conscious Mm -hmm. level, incredibly successful, but then needed, needed attention two days later. We needed to fix it. We went back in, we fixed it. Right we killed that motherfucker, right? He was, he was very satisfied with the end. There were tears, right? But he was very, very happy at the outcome, right? Mm-hmm. And I was new, right? And I said, well, I think the lesson is, is that we go easy or maybe not even approach that kind of play again in the future, right? Mm-hmm. And his thing was, oh no, that's not the takeaway here. That was very <laughs> exciting. Let's be clear. It was very exciting in the moment. And even afterwards, I just needed to feel like you had my back if something went wrong and something did go wrong and you fixed that. Oh yeah. That that is very important. And I think 
So there's something from the sub side, which is one of the sort of dangerous grounds that you tread on is... So long-term hypnosis or brainwashing, as we're calling it here, often is reinforcing new thought patterns. Like you use mantras, often just reintroducing thought patterns, needs... And one of the base ones, like a lot of brainwashing does, is wanting to please the dom. Like, for me, like, that has become something which I just naturally want to do to a very deep and powerful urge. Good slave. (laughs) Thank you, master. And, uh, yeah, and building that up over time. And the thing is, like, it's a trap a lot of subs fall into, is pleasing the dom can be very tempting to put before your own safety and well-being. Especially in a power exchange relationship where, like, you're putting the dom before yourself. Master is very good at, at every step of the way, you always reinforce, A, like, you'll use terms like, say, if things feel comfortable and safe, or if you are able. Like, you make it very clear in your language, like, there is always a get out if I need it. And in the times where we have had to pause and negotiate stuff or talk about something that's happened, you have always very firmly, very clearly reinforced that this was the right thing to do. And this, in the long term, is what pleases you most. And I think there is, it is always important to remember, like, when you are being pushed to have certain thought patterns to keep your safety in mind... And to recognize when those two things are bumping up against each other. Absolutely. I would also add that, for me at least, one of the things that I value in my submissives and in my slaves is their ability to take care of themselves, to live their own lives in a way that is healthy for them. And that's important to me for two reasons. One, just because... I want to think of myself as a good and ethical person. I try to live ethically in my everyday life and in my kink practice. And this seems like an important thing to reinforce. But the second thing, even independent of those ethics, is for me as a dominant, as a master, I want my slaves to be doing the things they need to please me and not to be requiring my time and attention for the basic things of taking care of their own lives. I want and expect my slaves to be self-sufficient, to be able to take care of themselves to the best of their degree, because that allows them to be better slaves and serve me in the way that I want. Mm -hmm. And so that's why, in addition to the ethical points, it's also important to me that I add in these references to, you know, Craig should take care of himself. Craig should do the things that he needs to in order to feel comfortable, to be mentally healthy to be physically healthy so that he can be a better slave for me yeah that's pretty key i think to any power exchange relationship that i've been in it's it's really important i craig what you said about what you said about wanting to be a good boy and and how that how that can in some situations, you can imagine that that might mess around with mm-hmm. with subs or slaves' self advocacy ability to, to self advocate yeah. properly. I mean that. Let's 
going back into the bondage thing. I mean, that's one of the things that I, a conversation I have to have with people that I'm going to tie up. I do a lot of suspension bondage and I need them to understand that it isn't a good boy mm -hmm. to not tell me when their hands are asleep. <laughs> yes, right? exactly. It's, it's not a good boy. Right. Nor is it. And so I'll, I'll it isn't just the good boy thing that can sometimes get in the way of self-advocacy. The other thing that can get kind of get in the way, and I've seen this in hypnosis as well, but it's definitely a thing that happens in, in, in rope bondage. And that is the good sport thing. Mm -hmm. We as, we as, I think particularly now, I think people generally are, are, are socialized to be good sports about stuff right? To not, not make waves, to not cause problems, right? And that sort of good sportism, right, is runs contrary to the best interests of not just the sub, the sub or subject, con, runs contrary to the interests of the hypnotist or dom, it runs contrary to the, to the interests of the, of, the, of the pairing, of the scene, right? Because when that stuff happens, it's, you know, I, I don't want to go to the hospital, yeah. That's, yeah. that's one of my limits actually i don't i mean ultimately i think it's very important for any submissive interested in a longer term dumb sub dynamic to remember that it is far more important to communicate your limits and boundaries and ensure that they are respected because even if that ends the scene in the short term, it's going to extend and deepen the dom sub relationship in the long term, which is what you want. Right. Yeah. You were once untying me from bondage. You said, I need you to have hands, fingers, toes, and balls for a long time. Right. right. <laughs> That's like, that checks out. Yeah, that yeah. tracks. I noticed that you did not include penis in that list oh <laughs> that's just understood with him <laughs> that's a given yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah we have a hard penis soft brain situation here yes so very nice <laughs> <laughs> yeah so i'm just trying to think i mean one of the other things kind of naturally leads on from having the sort of two opposing ideas is when you are changing a perspective, the human brain's a fascinating thing. You can hold two beliefs at the same time that can be in conflict. Mm -hmm. And when you do, it can be a little distressing. So if you are working on changing your viewpoint or pushing your limits and it butts up against what you previously felt even if you want to change like feelings don't go away just because you want them to that can be something you need to work through like yes i would agree i mean conditioning right yeah. rewards all of that but also also kind of re reading the room and 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 from a hypnotist standpoint <laughs> knowing when your moment is right Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, utilizing everything. Yeah, and I think it should go without saying, but like, don't try and do long-term brainwashing with someone you just met. Right. It never <laughs> works out. Like, right. 
Master and I had been friends for, what, three years? Before we started to do stuff in earnest? Mm-hmm. I mean... Yes, I agree with you to a certain extent, but at the same time, as I was saying at the beginning, I don't see a a strict line to draw between hypnosis and brainwashing. No, no, that's so, true. So I don't see a problem with even the very first time that you meet someone and are doing some hypnosis play. I don't see a problem with like, quote, laying the groundwork yeah. for brainwashing. Just keep in mind that this is a long-term process and you shouldn't expect to see dramatic results after just one session in terms of changing someone's thought patterns. We haven't, you know, we're almost, I, I'm, I shouldn't be looking at the time, but I am. Mm-hmm. When we talk about conditioning, let's, let's talk a little bit about conditioning before we go, mm-hmm. just because I think it makes sense to you. I, you know, conditioning needs reinforcement. Right. So it needs it needs a kind of proximity. It needs a kind of regularity. Right. The reason why conditioning seems to work in cult situations is because they have nothing but proximity. Right. They have Mm -hmm. extremely that's an extremely intimate situation where they have access to to one another at all times. Right. Plus, they have that sort of community pressure and all of those things, right? Sometimes, in the case of Status and I, we get to see each other about once a month. We yeah. communicate much more often than that. Mm-hmm. And we do do some online play to sort of fill in the gaps. But we don't have nearly the sort of access to each other that we'd like to have because we live in different cities and that's not going to change. But we can still achieve pretty good results just by being really thorough about reinforcing mm-hmm. things pretty much every time I have to, I don't have to, I have the opportunity to go in and make sure that, that everything is the way it should be and <laughs> where it should be and, and is strong with him. Right. And then the there are some things powerful and right. effective. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then there are, then there are other there are other forms of conditioning that have nothing to do with hypnosis or suggestion. Even they're just things I have him do. Like for instance, <laughs> I'm going to hold something up which doesn't work in an audio podcast. But this is this is a piece of red rope, and this is his red rope. And I had him I had him pick it out the first time he came down. The first time he came down. The, the second time. The second time he came down. Yeah. I had him pick it out, and it's it's his piece of red rope. And red is actually important metaphorically for me. So that was a really, I have nine different colors or many different colors of rope. And he picked the fact that he picked rope was very useful. There he is doing a cat spot, Um, but but he sleeps with it. He uses it when we play. And when he does solo play, he uses it as a cum rag. So it smells like him. (laughs) <laughs> uh, he isn't allowed to come around me unless he has his red rope with him, mm-hmm. right? There's just things that we put into place, and over time, that stuff sticks, right? It didn't... I I absolutely use suggestive language, right? But there wasn't a formal trance involved with this, right? In fact, the rope inductions I did with him didn't use a chosen rope. It used just some rope I had. Yeah. And 
And then the rope mantra he has wasn't using this rope either, although we have used this rope with that mantra. In fact, it was one of the first things we did with it. <laughs> the mantra being... Tie to the rope, better the boy. Tie to the rope, the better the boy, which is a really effective mantra. It actually is very useful. Although he had his very first rope suspension experience in April, in public, by the way, at Fetish Night in Seattle. Congrats. And, yeah. It was his very first kink event, too. Oh, so wow. it's a pretty Ooh, big, big deal. deal. Yeah. Very crowded. <laughs> hundreds of people in the bar watching him go up and a couple of times. I didn't use it in that case because I didn't need to, but, 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 and I wasn't, it wasn't really, you can't really hear anything in that, in that situation. I don't know if you used it. Did you use it when you were in, went up? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe not that mantra. Yeah. Maybe a different one, but definitely there was, there was one pose that was quite uncomfortable on my leg. Right. And one mantra I used to kind of push through a couple more painful reps at the gym was the same one I used there. Nice. Nice. Yeah. That's good too. <laughs> but I recently, I recently in, I was in San Francisco doing some workshops and I happened to have an opportunity to tie up a boy for the first time. And we did some, some fighting gravity and it was really, really challenging bondage to be honest. And, but before we did any of that, I introduced him to this rope mantra and I put him under using my rope, my rope induction and he found that once he went up, he had that moment of shock that all subs have when they first go up and really challenging <laughs> rope bondage. He went up, he had that moment of shock. And then I just said, so the tighter the rope, the better the boy. And he just started repeating it. And he found he was able to just release into the bondage. And he found it not just manageable, but very pleasurable. And he, he actually came in that particular suspension. So it, it, it's, that's a case of, of, of a brainwashing technique actually happening very quickly mm-hmm. that I think is probably going to be sticky with him. But hmm. so. we might want to talk about, I know the term as extinguishment or extinction of suggestion, right? That. Sure. The reason why the reason why reinforcement is so useful is because over time, I mean, we may generally speaking, I think most suggestions, most sort of casually given suggestions, a lot of casually given suggestions can sort of dissipate over time if they don't get used. They, yeah. Think, reinforcement is can, a very, these can be forgotten, right? That's one of the yes. reasons why we're saying that brainwashing isn't a thing because it requires that kind of reinforcement. It requires some kind of external pressure to keep those suggestions going. Mm-hmm. Um, however, it's also true that there are some subs who there are some instances. I had a recent one where a suggestion I'd given in July Right. And I'd I'd specified when I built the suggestion, I specified this only works for this session. It only works when safe and appropriate. Mm -hmm. It only works for this session. Right. And it was, turns out when he and his sir came down to my place so that I could do a hypnosis demo for, because he'd really enjoyed hypnosis and 
wanted his sir to pick up some of that. I incidentally used the trigger word without thinking about it, without meaning to, right? Mm. And immediately he went, he went completely sort of glassy-eyed. His boner went from nothing to flopping against <laughs> his chest, right? I mean, it was instantaneous. And I had deliberately told him that that suggestion was only going to be good for that session. But you know what? Some suggestions are very sticky. If a subject wants a suggestion mm -hmm. to stick, it will, right? Exactly, yeah. When and I think, I, to... I, I think even if in some case, sorry, I, I, I just wanted to finish the thought was that the danger is, of course, is that sometimes it's only the subject's unconscious that wants it to be sticky, mm -hmm. right? And it can be a somewhat frightening and dis disorienting experience to have those suggestions be sticky when even when they didn't want them to be right. So, sorry. Yeah. I, I like to tell people who are new to hypnosis that you can be as clear and specific as you want to about the suggestions that you're giving to your subject. Right. And it's good to do so. But ultimately what matters is not actually which words you choose to use as a hypnotist. What matters is how the subject interprets what you're saying. Yeah. Oh yes. There, there, the, the, this leads to a very interesting video. I do believe I posted it on the podcast discord. It was a short TikTok video of someone discussing their experiences, hypnotizing neurotypical people and hypnotizing people on the autistic spectrum. Because oh, yeah. of course, autistic spectrum people do a lot more literal thinking and a lot more sort of jump thinking where you make connection points in your brain. And they talked about how the way, specific way autistic people interpreted sort of instructions and suggestions and how they would often like expand on them because there'd be like this logic flow to it. Like naturally the sub would, the, ex the one they gave is bananas are funny. So every time I show you banana, you will laugh. Turns out plantains are more funny to that person because they're in the same family and same genius. And therefore the properties would be transferable. And it's like, yep. like different brains interpret things differently and will extrapolate things differently. Exactly. And I mean, the unconscious can often be incredibly literal anyhow, right? Yeah. I mean, in a way, hypnosis is actually a form of improv. <laughs> it's about having an idea of where you want to take a scene and driving it in that direction using this sort of improv philosophy of yes and. Mm -hmm. We're going to explore this kink and we're going to layer this exciting idea on top of it. And actually the sub is going to take this in a direction that the hypnotist didn't expect, but rather than saying no, we're going to say yes. And it goes this way too. Right. Utilize everything. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So I think we've really thoroughly covered a lot of stuff here. Like there is more to talk about, like, but yeah. there's always more to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, um, for this episode, is there any sort of closing ideas or something you, any of you really want to touch on before we close out? I'm feeling like we covered a lot of stuff. Yeah. A lot of ground. I'm, I'm glad we covered an, a, 
as much safety stuff as we could. Having said that, I hope that certainly couples who trust each other or partners who trust each other aren't frightened away by the safety stuff. Yeah. Oftentimes, oftentimes I do a, a bi-monthly practice and discussion group in Seattle and I run a pretty loose ship actually. As you, you know, it's hard to imagine that I, I would have anything unstructured in my life, but sometimes the discussion will go towards a memorable discussion. A couple months ago went towards ab reactions and how to deal with them. And there was suddenly this sense from some of the new people who were in the group who hadn't taken any workshops before, who were just dipping their toe in, right? We suddenly realized that we were 20 minutes from being done with our, 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 our meeting. And we hadn't given them any reason to, to think that hypnosis was a fun thing to do. All we'd done was talk about ab reactions yeah. and about danger and about right risk factors and so on and about trauma, right. And, and dealing with it and, and so on. And there was a lot of, I mean, it was a really heady, enjoyable conversation for those of us who were already hypnosis nerds, but for these people, poor people who just wanted to find out, okay, will it help me fuck better? Right. Yeah. It was really, really, really a hard thing for them to get through. And, and fortunately, we just decided just to stop it right there. And we went, we, we decided to continue the conversation in a much more positive sort of, okay, so what can we do with hypnosis? Yeah. Like one thing I really hope we got across with this episode is like to people who aren't turned on it, the term brainwashing is this big, scary, negative thing. Right. And I really hope what we got across with this is it can be an intense experience, but it is built on, a high level of trust, feedback, mutual fun and pleasure. And like the whole point of it, like what fuels it and keeps it running and going is positive feedback. It is a positive experience mm, and yes. a very, for me, very joyous thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Same. Yeah. I would say if you're interested in hypnosis, explore it. Mm-hmm. As a status was saying, it's actually easier to get started with it than you might think. It has this aura of mystery and magic around it, but it's really just understanding human psychology to a certain degree. And if you're interested in the darker side of play, if you're interested in some of these more sinister ideas of brainwashing and altering someone to suit your pleasure then that can be a lot of fun, but it only works if the person being altered is into it as well. Hmm. So although it might be scary to explore this idea, it might be intimidating to try out hypnosis and worry about what you're doing mucking around in someone's head. I would say that as long as you're treating the person you're working with, with the proper amount of respect and concern for who they are and what they want, as long as you can keep that in mind, there are a lot of fun places that you can take this, whether it's more therapeutic or whether it's more sinister. And you can have a lot of fun on either side or both. Mm-hmm. I also say that I also say that a lot of it that sinister people don't need 
NLP or hypnosis or suggestion or anything to bring to a charismatic person who intends to do harm. If they find a vulnerable person, they can, they can do terrible things, create terrible effects, make terrible changes in a person without ever, ever using any of these formal tools that we're talking mm-hmm. about. True. Right? Yes. It's, it's, you see this all the time. Right. And so, yeah, it's just worth pointing that out. At least I think the most important thing is that what we're doing is deliberate and we have intention, right. Yeah. As well as ethics and our, per- our partner's best interests. Yes. In you know? mm-hmm. But I think you can be both ethical and sinister at mm. the same time as yeah. counterintuitive as that might sound. I mean, you're wonderful at it, I have to say. (laughs) Thank you. Didn't we just say two opposing (laughs) things can be true at the same time? Exactly. (laughs) Yes. So thank you very much, all of you, for coming on. This has been a wonderful episode. Where can people find you? They can find me at visiblerestraint.com. Maybe the easiest. I mean, the place to find all of my socials is on my link tree, which is visiblerestraint.com. But visiblerestraint.com will also get you get you there. I also want to give a plug to, I have a small, and I'm going to actually change this. It's going to be more central to the, to the site. But I have a page at the bottom of my website that is specifically a page of resources that I can mm-hmm. bet, that I have vetted, including your two previous hypnosis episodes oh, and, and, and lots of books and lots of videos and, and lots of information for people who are sort of just starting out if they mm-hmm. don't have a workshop, you know, in their neighborhood. Workshops though are really fun. Oh Says yeah. Says a guy who workshops. <laughs> <laughs> and, and for me, I go by the username Harry Hypnotist Online. That is H-A-I-R-Y, Harry Hypnotist. I am basically only on Mastodon right now. The easiest way to find me is to go to harryhypnotist.com and it'll take you directly to my Mastodon. Um, I will also point out on the subject of workshops that in a couple of weeks, there's going to be an event in London called Fetish Week. Mm -hmm. And I've recently found out that I am going to be teaching a class on erotic hypnosis there. So I don't yet have a lot of details about when or where or how to get tickets. But if you're interested, you can follow me on Mastodon and I will absolutely publish that information there as soon as I find it out myself. Nice. Awesome. Wonderful. (laughs) Yes. Thank you again, all. Listeners, I hope you've enjoyed this episode. And as always, play safe.